Greetings, salutations, 815 here on a Sens game day Thursday. Highlights there from just the three games across the NHL uh, last night. And if we sort of exclude Detroit because they've waved the white flag on the season to the trade deadline, really only one game of significance, Minnesota and Winnipeg and another loss for the Jets and an injury to Carrero Kaprizov. So uh, some news uh, certainly uh, from that game as we get set for Sens and Kraken, a late night left coast start for the Sens, 8 o'clock our pregame. 10 o'clock, Dana Gord will have the call from Seattle uh, as Ottawa goes into, uh, well, four games over the next six days, three games over the next uh, four nights with two rookie goaltenders uh, manning the way because Cam Talbot is out for the next three weeks. All right, lots of stuff to go over with our NHL uh, insider. That would be Mike Johnson, as always, a presentation of the Myers Automotive Group. How are you doing this morning, MJ? I am doing very well. It's funny because we're we're so busy. We're tracking everything so closely. And then you're like, oh, I just kind of have to pay attention to one game no more last night. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite nice uh, because, yeah, there's nothing else really on the line except for the one. And, boy, uh, we'll get to the stands in a minute. But the Jets are kind of reeling right now. Like they're, They've played the Calgary Flames kind of right back into the mix here in what should have been kind of over the Western Conference race for the Jets. Their struggles of, um, you know, at the worst possible time have, 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 have made the last 17 games for them very interesting. Yeah, they at one point, I think at one point, maybe for a day or two, they were actually first overall in the Western Conference. Yeah. Uh, they're only six points out of first place, but it feels like, to your point, that they have, well, they have, they've got two wins in their last 10. Uh, what do you think? I don't know that there's been significant uh, injuries, at least to uh, to many of the top guys. What, uh, from what you've been able to ascertain, is going on in Winnipeg? Well, Connor Hellbuck's save percentage last five games something like eight eighty five. So um, he was a Vezina worthy goaltender for the first fifty, and the last ten he's kind of gone the other way. And it's it's an age old question for him because he's one of the few goalies that does play a lot. And you wonder, is it fatigue? Is he going through a rut? Is his body holding up? But their backup, is it not big save Dave? Mm-hmm. He's not mixed in enough big saves. <laughs> and so, you know, like, what do you do? Do you not play him as much I, to try to get him rest? I don't think they can afford to. Certainly can't afford to now. So that's kind of gone away from them. Um, and so and the goals are down a little bit. I like, you know, Niederreiter scored a goal again last night. And the Mephic got pick up an assist. I don't mind the, the acquisitions they made, but... Uh, they were, you know, their goaltender is a big part of their success, and he's he's taking a turn for the worse, and that might be enough for a team that's good, but not great that they can overcome their goalie not not playing well. Isn't this the exact same thing happened when he won the Vesna MJ? By the time they got to the playoffs, he's pretty much just out of gas. Felt that way. I mean, and now he would tell you no. You know, he he, he wasn't tired, but he, he at least wasn't as good. The numbers would dictate something was going on. So, um, yeah, like I, I think. Like, I get why you would. Like, you have David Riddick, respectfully, who's an all-star. But you have Connor Hellebuck. Like, I, if I was coaching, I would be like, well, I'm going to go with Hellebuck again. You know what I mean? Like, that would be the, that would be the sentiment, even if you know, he, he could use a, days off, a day off. I'm probably still not going to give it. But there's a danger in doing that, and, and maybe they're bumping into that right now. I should mention that uh, I think Dubois has been uh, either dinged up or I been out. Dubois, yeah. yeah, been out the last yeah. couple of games. From Minnesota side, uh, the Kaprizov injury, a uh, bit of a Ooh. weird one with the splaying of the legs. We saw that in Ottawa. I don't know if you remember when Chris Weidman, he tore the hamstring right off his bone yep. when Malkin fell yep. on him the same sort of way. I, and I'm not, they didn't have an update, so I don't want to suggest it's the same, but it had kind of the same feel to it. Uh, have you ever uh, in your time uh, suffered anything close to, to that kind of an injury? 
not a chance in the world I could have survived in a collision like that. Mm-hmm. If you didn't see it, he kind of got caught in like a hurdler stretch with Logan Stanley, who is all of 240 pounds sitting right, right on his back. And I'm looking at it, and I saw him limp off, which is obviously terrible news. He is top three in the league in percentage of offenses that he's been involved in for his team. I think Connor's been ahead of him, uh, but he's right there behind Connor McDavid. Um, and I'm looking, and I'm like, there's any number of, seriously, four different joints that that could have been a problem for. It could have been like his outstretched leg knee. Could have been the hammy on the outstretched leg like Chris Weidman. Could have been the ankle, knee, or hip on the, like the hurdler kind of bent leg. Could have been any number of those things. If it was me, it would have been all those things. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like when I played, it would have been like every muscle in my lower body would have been pulled. I would have been out for weeks. It would have been like, unfortunately, like Forsberg, like multiple pulled MTLs on the same collision. Um, Wild are playing really well right now. They are kind of surging up the standings. Haven't lost in over 10 games. Uh, but without him, they're not like they defend hard. They get good goaltending from both goalies right now, but without him, they're not even remotely the same kind of team to the point where he is worthy of heart trophy conversation, not winning, obviously, but just kind of in that next pack of players conversation. That's how important he is to the Wild. You like what Bill Guerin's done? Just con- he just seems to have such a confidence in, hey, we got this big salary cap issue coming up, but we're just going to plow through it and stay the course. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, they don't play a very pretty style of hockey, though. Like they're like they, they play hard and physical, and I think maybe out of necessity, um, you know, Bill Guerin's built this, built this kind of big defensive, hard to play against team. They don't have like their centermen. When you look at them. Simmer. It's like, you got what, Ryan Hartman sometimes plays their number one spot. Sam Steele is there. Goudreau. Like, these are not traditional high-end, strength-down-the-middle kind of players, but they're getting it done because they play so hard defensively and they got good goaltending, which they need to do. Um, so I like it because it works, but, man, it's hard to play against, but it's also hard to play, and it feels as though there may be a limit to how good they can be because when they play a team that plays just as hard defensively but has way more talent, it feels like they're going to lose. Like It feels like if they play Colorado in the first round, they're, they're going to lose. So that that's the challenge for them. Are you a fan of The Office, by the way? I am... Not not okay. not like I am a fan of Seinfeld, but enough. Okay, yes. okay, okay. I just uh, I, I I've said this many. I, I don't know if you know all the characters in The Office, but but Dean Evison, the Minnesota coach. There's a fella in the back called, named Creed. I, I, I swear yeah. they're like body doubles. Yes, 100%, <laughs> it's 100%. 100%. Never been seen in the same room no, at ever. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Sens are in Seattle tonight. Uh, first and foremost, uh, obviously second year for the Kraken. Uh, have you been out there to do a game? And what are your thoughts? I've heard nothing but rave reviews about, because they basically redid the rink inside the old key arena of, uh, A, have you been there? And B, what are your just thoughts on, on the arena itself? Yeah, you know what? Unfortunately, I have not. Oh. Uh, I have not been out there. With, with our rotation, the, the games for Ottawa West, uh, generally Noodles does them because, you know, he's from out there and he, and he kind of enjoys going out there and seeing family and friends. Uh, the games with Montreal out West, Craig Button's out there, so he generally does those <laughs> ones. And so I'll do the Leaf ones that go out there, but they weren't out there this year for a, a TFN game. So okay. long story longer, I have not been out there. But from all reports, incredible job now it better be nice because it costs a boatload of money to redo that <laughs> building but apparently like you walk in at street level and then you sort of 
head down into the arena, but there's lots of glass and the public spaces outside and rinks and attractions and things to do right around it. They've done an amazing job with the building, and they've done a pretty good job on the ice this year as well, Seattle. They've been one of the bigger surprises, and they're currently riding a five-game win streak, so uh, a tough opponent to bump into right now. We went through the stats uh, last hour. Uh, their five-on-five goal scoring is the best in the NHL, yeah. and it's not like it's three or four guys. I, I, they've got 13 guys with 10 or more goals, 12 of them forwards. Uh, this yeah. Did you ever did you foresee uh, offensively that the Kraken would be as good as they are this year? Of course not. How could you possibly see this coming? Like it's you know, and it's not like they don't have good players. You know, you see their acquisitions. Acquisitions. You see Bjorkstrand go out there. You're like, yeah, but you know, if they're being asked to be the primary guy, can they be that? But what the beauty of that team is, they really haven't asked anyone to be the primary guy. Like they just kind of roll their lines. They ask everyone to chip in offensively. Yes, some guys get to play on the power play, but no one plays. So many more minutes. You know, their number one center is Matty Beniers, who's good. But again, he's, you know, he's still going through his rookie year. Everyone is just kind of being counted on to maybe try to get 20 goals. And just about everyone is sort of on pace to get 20 or so goals. Uh, it clearly is all working well for them. But no, not at all. I didn't see this coming. Thought they would be better than last year. But what's fascinating about them is the pivot they went from, they built their team through the draft, defensive. Took a ton of defense men, uh, goaltending. They signed Grubauer that big deal. You think, okay, we're going to defend our way to our wins. But when you look at their roster and how they're playing this year, that's not what they're doing. Like they're getting a lot of wins, but their goaltenders have you know sub nine hundred save percentages as a team, uh, and yet they're totally okay with all of that, um, which was not how they were originally built. So it's been a quick pivot with great success. And Gruber are actually playing a little bit better as of late, which bodes well heading towards the playoffs. And watching them here, MJ, they just play properly. I mean, they just feasted on Ottawa all over the ice on turnovers. You give mm-hmm. Dave Hoxall a lot of credit because I, I kind of look at this last year, and, you know, he was in Philly. He was just okay. I'm like, come on, nothing going on here. Now I'm thinking, well, this guy would be with Monty and uh, Lindy Ruff in the conversation for the Jack Adams. Yeah, and it's funny, Simmer, how you see guys, um, coaches kind of, do better in their second act, you know, whether, whether it's a Bruce Cassidy or, you know, guys who, who, who go in there and they're quality coaches the first time through Craig Berube. And then, then they get another shot and they take what they've learned. They apply it in a different situation. And maybe Hackstall is doing that. He had the time in Philly coming out of college. And that's always a tricky transition to make with the team's not that good. And then, you know, you get dumped into an expansion team and, you know, how much can they, is it on the coach? Is it the roster whatever? But you weren't sure. And, he clearly has this team buying in. They are all on the same page. And I got to tell you, there is something empowering. It kind of reminds me, like back in 99, the year I was playing, I was in Toronto. We made it to the conference finals. The year prior, we were no good. We were my rookie season. We were 13th out of 15 teams. And we had a star in Matt Sundin, but we didn't have any other offensive stars. And we went, when Pat Quinn came in to coach us, from bottom five scoring team to the top scoring team without really adding we had Steve Thomas and Derek King, but it was all strength in numbers. We had seven or eight or guys get 20 goals, Steve Sullivan and Sergey Barrett and the New York Korolev and me and Freddie Bodine and all these guys, Jonas Hoagland, none of whom like are superstar players, but all sort of chipped in. And there is something very, very like collaborative about everyone chipping in and no one really being counted on to carry the load. And I think that's what Seattle's going through right now. They're all kind of rooting for each other, pushing each other and pulling for each other. 
and doing it with great success. So it's almost like building a communist hockey team. Everyone is just <laughs> pull it. Nobody's better than anybody else. And I mean that actually sincerely, other than Matt Sundin. He's the czar. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, he's yeah, got the exactly. Dacha and the Black Sea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got the place in uh, Sochi. Yeah. Absolutely. But like that, yeah, like, and, but like it's almost empowering, but also liberating. Yeah. Like I, I was a player that, you know, I wanted to produce offense. You know, like I thought I, could, I wanted to try to score as much as I could and get as many points as I could. And so you put a lot of pressure on yourself to try to score. And I, I was on teams in Tampa and Arizona where I was one of the best players. And I was counted on to score all the time. And it's a lot of pressure. Uh, especially when you're good, but you're not great. And I, I found that year in Toronto, like, just so freeing mentally because I was sort of putting the same pressure on me internally, but the, the pressure wasn't there externally to kind of be the guy. And then we all kind of ended up having good good seasons together. And that's sort of what is happening in Seattle. And, I, and I'm, I'm sure the players are really enjoying their experience being empowered to go play, but not sort of being um, – scrutinized or burdened by the need to carry an offense that maybe no one player on that team is, is good enough to carry. Uh, in a roundabout way, does a team like Seattle, like your old Toronto team, uh, become more difficult to defend against? Because a lot of teams are built where they've got, let's say, a shutdown pair. They've got uh, you know, a, you know, a shutdown line or whatever and a, and a possession line or mm-hmm. whatever. But if you can just come, back, uh, come at them with forward line after forward line, that's all, they'd all have a chance to score – um, you know that that that's that you know that's fairly unique to what we see. Most teams are built, and Ottawa's a great example. They're getting pretty good goal scoring this year, but it's essentially all coming from their top two lines. Yeah, absolutely. And basically, the the, the dynamic of a, a series or a game becomes: okay, well, can we control their top six, and then we'll win the rest, right? Like you know, Seattle bumps into every team. Ottawa, no different. Ottawa's top six is better than Seattle's. Better players, better production, all that. But if they can kind of play them close to a standstill, which is almost easier, you know, to defend and get babes, and it's hard to it's it's hard to just score all the time like the Ottawa guys are being asked to, and then trust that your depth guys will score as well, and, and that will be the difference maker. Yes, you're absolutely correct. It is a trickier matchup. Um, you don't have the stars, but you got the depth, and you'll see which one kind of plays out. Uh, over the course of a game, or I guess they're going to find out over the course of a series. The practice lines yesterday, not earth-shattering changes if they do happen, MJ, and they weren't even confirmed, but it would be Kelly uh, in along with Brown and Holden. You'd take Brandstrom out along with Broussard uh, and Goche. Uh Any surprise? I, I only looked at it because they had played so well with that group, mm-hmm. and then you have one clunker. I thought, man, I, I, I'd kind of show confidence in the group, and I, I don't want to get too carried away with the changes, but... I guess any surprise that, that you'd make that many switches? Um, a little bit, yeah. I, I'm with you. Like I would think, yeah, like the Chicago game was a clunker, the, the polite way of saying it. It was really yeah. bad. Uh, but they've also played really, really well. There has been as good as just about any team in the league over the last four weeks. So I would be inclined to want to give the team the chance to, to flush that one, come back, and so the same group say, that's okay. You're not going to win every game the rest of the way. You're not even going to play well every game the rest of the way. But let's give the same group that had played so well another run to start another good streak together. Now, you know, Brown, you, you want to try to get new acquisitions in the lineup, I suppose. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Holden, I'm, I want somebody to skate against Seattle because they are very fast on transition, which maybe is Brandstrom. 
Yeah, I, I am a little surprised, but, uh, you know, DJ would have a good pulse on his team. But mm-hmm. I'm always inclined, like, I give them one more. When they've gone on a run as good as they've had, mm-hmm. and then if they don't play well tonight, then then you can do whatever you want. The roster make as many changes as you, as you feel you need to. The hockey gods are back sneaking, uh, uh, putting pins into the backs of the Sens uh, goalies because uh, Cam Talbot now oh, is goodness. back out again for a third time, this time up to three weeks, which means the goaltending is now back in the hands of the two rookies who collectively have uh, uh, experience in seven game, or nine games uh, so far uh, this season. Uh, they've been at, they you were asked to short change them yeah. from nine down to seven. Sorry. Like 22% of their experience. Yeah, they were asked to, to do them. Yeah, they were asked to do it, uh, you know, about a month or so ago uh, when Talbot was already hurt and then Forsberg had the double knee injury and they were able to carry the mail for that short amount of time in a, in a good way. But now we're, uh, MJ, we're four weeks down the road and the Sens, at, you know, now have played themselves into the playoff conversation. Absolutely. Does the... Does the mindset, the pressure from these rookie goalies, does it ratchet up at all uh, in terms of, you know, what, how much they're being counted on uh, in this position? Feels it has to. I mean, I, I can't put myself into the mind of any goaltender would want to, uh, or these guys specifically. But, yeah, I mean, it's different playing fat, free, and easy when, you know, every win is a bonus. And if you lose, well, that's, you know, that's not your fault because you weren't supposed to be there to begin with. To now, this team has had this great push. They are absolutely in the playoff chase, like 100% in the playoff chase. They're going to track down probably the Islanders, right? They've got uh, their four, their six points back with three games in hand. Like that is that they're right there. If they can win two of the three, they're two points back with 15 games left. That that is an entirely different situation than maybe the mentality they had when they first got there. But I mean. I don't know what Matt Sogard's like. I'm, you know, he's played other big games in his life, relatively speaking, whether it's in Europe or nationally or whatever it might be. Mandalay, they, they've played big games. They've dealt with pressure. They know themselves. You'd like to think that they will be up to the challenge mentally. I don't know if they're up to the challenge physically. Like, I don't know if they're good enough. Uh, but mentally, I would hope that they, you know, they would look at the opportunity and, and rise to it. And I expect that they will, but it's a tough, it's a tough call. And, I don't blame, like, I know some people told me, well, that's why Dorian should have gone and got another goalie. I don't blame them. Like, you think Talbot's coming back? Yeah. Like, you know, there's only so much you can do uh, as far as trying to bolster your roster for a hopeful run that you weren't even sure would happen. I don't blame them for not doing that. you got to figure or hope that your guys would stay healthy. They just haven't. So uh, it's on the two kids, but you never know. I guess we'll find out. Well, and after Monday's game and the drop, I get a sense with this group, MJ, it's not like, okay, we came close to the playoffs. I think they actually want to get in this along, or that, sorry, along with two goaltenders. Don't you think it's almost a, hey, nice little rally here? Rally between the two kids. The kids seem to get along, and at the same time, this group, you know, has higher aspirations. Uh, for sure. For sure it could be a rallying cry. And, and like, you, you, like, remember the Hamburglar? He wasn't supposed to be very good either, right? Like, <laughs> you know, he came in and was like, that'll never happen again until it does happen, and it doesn't have to happen as long or as well. Like, you know, if they can win... What do they got? 19 games left. I keep saying 94, 92 points will get them really close. So 12 and 7 gets Ottawa to 92 points. And they'll be right around it if they get there. It might be one short, might be one good. I don't know, but around that number. 12 and 7 doesn't seem outrageously difficult. You know, it's a good, it's better than they've done so far this year, but it's, but it's doable. And I think, like, yeah, you can rally behind each other, the opportunity. You can rally behind the youth of the goaltenders. It's like it's, we're doing it with guys who've never even been here before, but you love it 
Um, that's the sort of mentality you want to take to these games, and uh, I'm sure they will. And in the run, guys, it was 99 points, and they had to win the final day. Like, that is a big right. difference. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. I, I, I like to think, and I'm of the belief that NHL players always play hard, but we always hear this, uh, Mike, whether it's, they, they, the team collectively likes, you know, if we're talking about veteran goalies, likes one guy maybe a little bit more. They play harder for one guy than another. Or in the case of Ottawa, you got two really, really inexperienced guys. Is that actually a thing? Or is that something that we, you know, where they play harder uh, for one guy or another? Or in this case, they'll play harder because they've got rookie goalies. Is that act- in actuality a thing? No. It sounds good, though. <laughs> it sounds good in theory. And, like, I don't know if there's some sort of subconscious bias. Like we've, we've made jokes. Like when we had, you know, Glenn Healy jump in the net instead of Cujo, we're like, okay, guys, block a lot of shots. Heels is in there. We got to block a lot of shots. But like no one is actually trying to block more shots because the backups in there. No one's trying. Oh, I like Brian Boucher, my goalie in Arizona. So I'm going to play harder. I got to back check harder, play smarter. Like it's like, no, no. I mean, I think there can be an, a, a momentarily, heighten attention to detail. Right. I think that's possible because you're like, hey, listen, we got to really make sure to... But that could be also going up against Edmonton with your regular goalie. Like, you know, situations occasionally get your attention. But the idea is, no, we try harder because of a guy or because of whatever. I you know, That's not that realistic. Okay. Uh, last one for you. Did the Toronto-New Jersey game on uh, on Tuesday. You got a chance to see uh, Timo Meyer uh, in his uh, Devils debut. A lot of people have liked that uh, on a really uh, skilled, fast, but relatively speaking, small team, he brings some nice size. I know it's only mm-hmm. you know the one – well, he's played two games, but uh, do you see him as re- be- being a long-term here, real good fit for, all, for New Jersey for the rest of the season? Yes. But not on Tuesday. <laughs> he did not have a good night on Tuesday. Uh, took a, a tough turnover, took a penalty that the Leafs scored on. It wasn't a dream debut, but he does bring a lot of attributes that Jersey needs. That combination of size and speed and skill to add to their top six. They're trying him with Jack Hughes right now. Um, you know, Jack Hughes is an incredible player, and they, he played with Jesper Bratt. If you don't know these two guys, they are dynamic East-West, very creative players. And it might be tough to get a read on exactly where they're going out there because they, they don't go in straight lines. Um, but if he doesn't work there, he'll go with Nico Heischer, a guy he played with previously on the Swiss national team. There's history there as well. So um, it makes sense. Like I think Jersey plans on him being there this year. They want to sign him to extension long-term, so he's going to be there for a while. But he, he's, a, he's probably the best forward to change teams at the deadline, and he goes to a team that needs him but is also really good already. Right. Uh, so it should make a lot of sense. All right. Good stuff. Appreciate the time and the insight, as always, uh, and look forward to chatting with you again next week. <laughs> Boys, have a good day. Powered by FanDuel. Make every moment more on FanDuel, North America's number one sports book. Ah, Simmer, you got burned on the dreaded empty net goal last night. Minnesota Winnipeg was five, and it was a very low over under five yeah, and a half, and yeah, that sent yeah. it to the over. Yeah, Dang, darn. But I also had Winnipeg winning in the back to back. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Just, uh, that's an over. Been an up, hey, it's been an up and down week. It's been an uh, two for two the day before, <laughs> over two last yeah. night. Yeah. So of course we got the Sens and the Kraken uh, tonight. So I've got the uh, money line total set to go here. Yeah. yeah. So who you uh, uh, so you like Ottawa or Seattle, and do you like the over under? By the way, in this game is six and a half, not five yeah. and a half. Six and a half. You like the over or the well? Other? well I like the under. I, I think it's going to be a pretty tight game, but I do feel Seattle. I just think it. 
And strangely enough, JR, their home record has not been great. Their road record is incredible, but uh, they play properly, and I think that's going to be tough to handle for Ottawa. So I'm taking the under, and I'm taking Seattle. All right, that's plus 220 at FanDuel. So 10 bucks on uh, Simber's combo there mm-hmm. wins you uh, $22. We'll see if uh, Thursday is Simmer's uh, lucky day. I don't. Uh, they have not posted yet the uh, goal scorer odds uh, for tonight. Who are you feeling on either team? Who are you feeling is hitting the net tonight? Uh, I'll go with Brady Kachuk. Only that I know he's going to rebound and play well. Uh, not sure after that. I wouldn't even begin to try to, man, pick out of a hat if you're taking Seattle. Um, but as I said, I was so impressed. And again, I think people looked at analytical numbers when they rolled through, Jerry, and you respect all that. But I was like, wow. That team there, they they feast on on mistakes, and they're a good even strength team, and that's a lot to overcome. And when you think about the ratio of, say, sixty games into the year, Ottawa scores two a game, and they're almost at three a game as far as even strength goals. That, that's quite a difference going into a game one sixty one versus one eleven, and could be even a little tighter if they go with the lineup we saw yesterday in practice. There you go. Make every moment more on FanDuel, North America's. Number one sports book. Again, 8 o'clock pregame tonight with uh, Graham Creech and Jamie Baker. 10 o'clock. Dean and Gord will have the call uh, from the. Are they still. Call, uh, no, it's Climate Pledge Arena, right? I'm yep. going to go. It's yep. the old key arena, but Climate yeah. Pledge Arena yeah, very, in Seattle. Very cool place. Been many a time uh, to watch the Seattle Thunderbirds. And I know they've changed it, JR, but as MJ, you know, it would be the equivalent if you went by and saw a, a subway station. You know what I mean? As far as one level, and you're like, well, come on, this can't be a, a full rink. And then you go in it, and part of it is the imprint is not huge, and it was probably built for that for basketball, but it has great sight lines, so I don't think that's been altered too much. So, yeah, it'd be a real cool place to watch a game, and I do wonder if t- visiting teams are excited about playing there because, as I said, their home record uh, has not been great, and I, I think there's 30, you know, uh, twenty three and nine at, at home, on the road. Sorry, mm, that's because they're all because they're out in Seattle. They're all well caffeinated, huh? No Could shortage be. of coffee. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. They're all listening yeah. to their grunge. Yeah, uh, they're out there Pearl Jam going. That's true. Uh, yeah. Nirvana and the, and the local players are just sitting there getting high. All day, that's but true I, too, guess yeah. could, I guess you get a lot of that. I guess you could do that anywhere now. So not a big Jordan, yeah, Jordan yeah. Eberle. I can just imagine like yeah. all day, like oh, exactly. Got a game tonight. Oh, and then, and then hey, the other man. fear, you, you know, it's well known that Washington State in Seattle. Uh, has the most uh, serial murderers in the world, right? That's, that's the Green they, River Killer. It, yeah, that's where all they Looking hang up. up. Even a little Ted Bundy action. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, didn't they, the, the, this, well, that was, it was in Idaho, but didn't the guy come from the Washington State University? Who, the Ted latest, Bundy? No, no, no. The oh. latest one. Remember the four oh, kids yeah, that were yeah. Uh, murdered? Oh, darn, actually, yeah. Well, yeah. now he was, uh, he was, yeah, going to school, yeah. yeah. In Washington State, but yeah. crossed the, uh, like, 10 miles away. I, but with, I, I, now, now, if you know that you have the most serial killers, though, mm-hmm. Um, why are you not arresting them? <laughs> like, no, like, the thing like, about them being serial suggests that is there is a length of time. Yeah, but how so do that you... they're somewhat good <laughs> oh. at disguising what they're doing? Okay, but uh, yeah, just like I, I just you know I know when people are you know do certain offenses when they come out you track them. Yes, I, I just you know if, if you know you have all these serial killers, why are they still at large? But I guess like I said that's what makes a good serial killer. Uh, happy. <laughs> yes, never really thought about well, it. I but actually yes. think the worst in our in in my lifetime. Would have been Clifford Olson, and he would was he he set up shot. Oh, he wasn't BC. Oh no, I'm confusing him with Thatcher, Colin Thatcher. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I went I went by his house when as soon as I got to Regina, had to drive by the house. Unfortunately, where he uh, killed his wife. Really? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I was. I yeah. I was really. So that's a bit of a dark side. Story well, thing, isn't no, it? I also went to OJ. The Simpsons. last five minutes have been a dark side story. <laughs> but I also here. I also went to OJ Simpson's house and the uh, Rocky Nam and Bundy. Well, uh, <laughs> well, but the thing about the OJ Simpson one was yeah, yeah. because you you know everybody that was around about you watched it was the first time we ever saw a court case play out for well for me uh, for most people oh, in God. person right on oh, TV it's yeah, like this yeah. is how it works. But you saw like reenactments of what it looked like outside where the murders happened. And so I could see your interest in, I'm going to drive by. Oh, okay. I got a sense of it now. I see it in person. <laughs> I don't remember much about the Colin Thatcher other than what they found his. Boy, we're getting well, into a dark well, side here. I apologize. But like they well, found his wife's well, body in the house. I don't yeah. know that there was any kind of thing that you needed to see. Some well, twisted thing I, that you're going through. Right I was now. only 24 at the time. So okay. it must have been. And the fact that I was into the news, his father had been the premier, right, of, of Saskatchewan, right? Uh, he was, yeah, he was. And well he was, and he was dating one of the Charlie's Angels, so you know that for sure just brought everything. What? Yeah, he was dating Jacqueline Smith. He was a very wealthy fella. So, anyways, I had to drive what? by. What? Yeah. See, <laughs> yeah, look it you up. Make stuff up. <laughs> no, right now? no, I'm honestly, like I said, I, I know I did all this for you. Yeah, the he most was, prim and proper of Charlie's Angels. Jackson. At one point, was dating a guy who ends up being a murderer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was very, they're very wealthy. I don't, family. I don't believe you. Oh, absolutely. And he, I bet he even wore her collection from Zellers. <laughs> from Jack- Zellers. Well, Jacqueline Smith had her own collection. Don't you remember that? Guys, no. come on. Like, where you been? No, Jay, are you, I don't know. Jay, are you normally look up Colin Thatcher and the Charlie's Angels hammer? And I'm, I'm telling, like, I'm being very serious here. I would not joke around about someone being killed. But I, when I flew to Regina for the first time. Uh, the address. It's the first thing you wanted to do. Well, when you went to, not no, that there's a lot there's of other things. nothing else to do in Regina. Unless you go to the football but stadium. The, the, the address in the house had become, at least my recollection, JR, had become very famous. So Okay. Right. I'll leave that with you. Yeah. I wouldn't steer you nothing guys. Nothing there? Uh, I'm, I'm not. You did, you did Colin Thatcher plus Charlie's Angels exactly. on, on the Google machine? Now, I'm not saying Zimmer's wrong because I'm just seeing the first couple of... Uh, I'm seeing the Hell's Angels. Yeah, I'm just seeing the first you, couple of. I think you made that up. <laughs> okay, results here. All right, March 9th. Happy birthday! Sure, he's listening right now. Go to the birthdays. Now. Let's turn that frown upside people, down. Let's segue to people that are alive. Chris Phillips, 45 oh. years old today. Happy oh, birthday wow. to Philly! I saw a picture on social media that his wife had put out. Uh, he was down in Florida. His son's playing baseball down there, Hammer. Uh, I don't know if He's you're aware of it. He's a big ball player. Yeah, he used, to, be, he used to play with uh, ONC as well. Okay, yeah. he he is a, a spitting image of Chris Phillips at that age. Oh, yeah? It, oh, my God. It's just astonishing, not to mention, as you said, a uh, good-sized fella. All right. Happy birthday to Chris Phillips, 45. Former Sen, Ryan Dezingle is 31. I admittedly had to look up, where is Ryan Dezingle this season? Um, last year he played, uh, well, he split the year between Anah- or Arizona and San Jose, played 32 games this year, listed as only having played nine games with the Chicago Wolves of the American okay, Hockey so that's... I'm thinking he has probably an, uh, either a two-way or an AHL deal, yeah, but only nine games. So. Yeah, that's Vegas's farm team, right? Okay. Uh, and I was actually, as soon as you said that, I was thinking about Carolina, but they signed Del Zotto and Tierney, did they not? Yeah, originally no, or Journey went to Florida. Oh, Florida. Okay. And also every time I, the one thing I think about with Ryan Dezingle, first of all, the excellent trade to send him to Columbus and two for two second round picks. But every time I see John Cooper, I think of him because he was in Coop's uh, wedding party, right? Uh, he had played for him in the U.S. Junior League. He was? Way back. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're good friends. Hang so. on. A coach had a player in his wedding party? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 
I'm not, you think I'm making that up? Oh, wow. Did, did John, I didn't find anything. Has John Cooper murdered anyone? Uh, We're going to have dated to, someone from Charlie's Angels? I'm going to be on the Trump fact check thing. Zimmer <laughs> lied five times. <laughs> yeah, no, he was in his way. It, like, it, so John Cooper would have been a very young coach when it was in the U.S. Junior League. Okay. Uh, was it the Green Bay Gamblers or whatever? Uh, right. That's where Ryan Dezingle played before he went to Ohio State. Okay. Um, <laughs> former Ottawa Senator. Colin Greening is 37 years old today. Wow. Scored one of the biggest goals in Sens. Yeah, it was a kind of a short-lived thing, uh, but it kept alive their series against Pitts. The probably not game was uh, the game, uh, was the comment, the infamous comment from uh, Daniel Alfredson after Colin Greening had scored in double overtime. Alfie had scored the big goal shorthanded in the final minute to tie it, and Greening won it in double overtime. And, hey, Alfie, can you guys complete the comeback against Pittsburgh? Probably not. Yeah, and also, being honest, funny at that time, because I think the Sens, right back to that time, guys, were kind of really rolling. Um, they had done Carlson after winning the Norris Trophy. They gave Turris that crazy five-year, $3.5 million extension that was just a bargain almost from day one. But then they kind of got hot to go, and they ended up doing the Jared Cowan. And remember the rumors about Cowan turning down a seven-year contract? Yeah, <laughs> and he eight, tur- eight years and $28 million. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. And then, Three you know, and, and Greening was the same thing. And this was one that was forced because you could see he was the perfect fit, but it was McCulloch and Spezza who were the all-stars that were doing all the work. And, again, another guy worked very hard, extremely smart, great guy, but it just never came naturally for him. And, and what a class act. And. I went on and played for the Marlies for a few years, and I'm sure he set up shop, I think, Chicago as well, and doing well for himself. Highly educated. Was he a Cornell grad? Uh, I think here? so. Yeah. 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 Uh, Leafs defenseman Morgan Riley, 29 years old today. Where do you think his game's at? You know, I, I always, uh, he's he's always been a good defenseman in yeah. my books, but he's, you know, he's he's been counted on in Toronto to be uh, like a true number one, and I don't know that he's a true number. He's really good. Yeah. He'd be yeah. a great number two. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, I don't know that he's got the big hammer from the point. He's always been the number one power play guy, but I don't know that he's been necessarily the best at it. Yeah. I mean, he's good. Yeah. yeah. He had to have a couple of, um, you know, really nice offensive years. Yeah, he did. But now he's got the new long-term deal starting at 29. It, that, you know, the Leafs are getting to the stage, and they're going to, you know, the rubber is going to meet the road here uh, starting a year from now. Well, maybe as soon as this summer with Matthews and Nylander. And then the summer after that is Marner. I'm assuming that Tavares will, will play out his contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you start signing guys that are now getting, and not that you wouldn't sign Austin Matthews. I'm not saying this, but yeah. you start signing guys toward the latter part of their twenties on the long-term deals. Right. And then that's what starts to get you in trouble after yeah. a while. Cause they don't, aren't as good a player. Yeah. And for Morgan there. Riley, almost back to kind of enough at the time, you just had no choice, right? There was yep. no plan B. Yep. And back to your theory of talking about uh, not monsters on the back end, talking about Clevin. What was the term you ended up using? Well, the point Morgan. Boom in the back end. I yeah. need some, and uh, I need my defense to have some boom in the back end. <laughs> yeah, I like, we got, that. that is a solid trademark right there. Thank you. But the issue for Morgan Riley, uh, he is not a very big guy, and he is starting to wear down. You know, he's a big guy. I like big guys. Yeah, exactly. And he also, he I don't think his focus is there anymore. Because he's engaged to Tessa Virtue, yes. and now that just that's all he's thinking about. And maybe they could be an ice skating pair in the future, probably on contests, maybe even the Olympics. So, anyways, uh, that'll be. But he has been on the radar, I guess, is my point. Jr. Yeah. This year is a, a quite a bit of negative play of just looking like a a bit of a rundown hockey player. Uh, Brent Burns, thirty eight years old. Wow, and um, 
playing, you know, I don't watch a ton of Carolina, but by all, everything I read says he's mm. playing awesome. And they, they got him. I mean, what, uh, San Jose kept half of his yeah, contract? Yeah. Um, so they're they're paying him, relatively speaking, for what he produces, peanuts. Another, well, another good sort of bargain basement deal for Carolina. Well, and uh, I tell you what, I was completely wrong, Jared, because watch him in San Jose, and this speaks to Rod Brindamore in the structure, I just thought he was a forward playing defense, which he originally was a forward. He was just terrible defensively, so it's really worked out. And funny going back, um, you know, you talk about Doug Wilson and great trades, and you talk about Joe Thornton. That trade ended up being with Minnesota, and they thought he was a bit on the weird side, which I don't think he's weird. I think he's different. Um, they've got next to nothing if you look back to that trade, right, uh, f- with Minnesota. Mm. That ended up being just a, another steal. Doug Wilson had a, a few steals in his career, and you put Brent Burns right up there with Joe Thornton. Phil Housley. 59 years old. You want to talk about forward slash defenseman. Oh. There you go. Right there. That may be the ultimate uh, forward slash yeah. defenseman from back in the day. Phil yeah. Housley is 59 today. Yeah, we signed Phil as a free agent uh, out of Calgary to Washington. And, of course, you think about the crazy pick of being picked out of high school back in the day by Scotty Bowman coming in. I can't believe he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I know he put up great points, but to your point, J.R., uh, man, you talk about defensively. Had the bad kazoo helmet as well, which I'm sure is a Calgary flame. He didn't like And how he's a great guy. I think his wife's a cent. Why, why are you laughing about kazoo? Uh, but we used, to, we used to do video of Howie, and we'd be like, okay, here's a here's a three-on-three down low. And then you'd roll the tape, and you're like, where the hell did Howie go? <laughs> he'd somehow Why get he not in the picture. He'd somehow get from the front of the net into the corner with nobody around him. Like he, oh my god, he was so bad. And at that point, unfortunately, we thought, okay, he's going to be great on the power play. That had already eroded, so we were kind of stuck with a uh, yeah, not so good hockey player. Uh, last but not least, another former sin, not on the playing side, but on the coaching side, Paul McLean, sixty-five years old today. My daughter Erin said to me today that something about the players play, 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 and I'm going to shake, shake it off. Any questions? That is not my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> know. The hey, greatest oh news God. conference ever <laughs> held by a coach who just oh, got fired. Oh, it, it, it just, like, there is a veteran hockey man, and that one right there. And that is the girl that, that did the Green Bay Packer stuff. Is that not the same voice? My, my boyfriend was a Packer? Yeah. But, it, but to the point, that year in the playoffs, did he ever school the Montreal Canadiens? Yeah. Oh, my. Michelle jumping. And, and even Brendan Prust. Yeah, like the bug-eyed he, walrus. That is a guy that played a lot of hockey, took a lot of grief, been on a lot of benches, and is able to fire back. Like The timing of that was almost a comedy skit when he ended up doing that. And he's, he's behind the lease bench still, right? I don't think so. Well, okay, I was going to say he that I have brought on as a power place, but I don't. He's not behind the bench. He may be on okay. the coaching staff. Okay, okay, definitely okay. not behind the bench. Okay, and good point because I was going to say I I don't remember seeing him this year, so that makes sense. But and I think his son had gotten involved as well. But uh, hey, very underrated, probably in the Jets days as a goal scorer. Not much of a skater, um, but he had a real nice setup, man. In uh, the late great Dale Howarchuk. Yeah, good stash game too. Oh, very strong. Right. Of course, very had strong. the doppelganger here in Ottawa. Whatever happened to the doppelganger yeah. guy? Like where well, he got fired when Paul McClain got fired. Like does that guy does that guy still go to Sens games? No. Did we ever, did we ever connect on on talking? We to that we guy? talked to him once. We oh, did. Okay. Wasn't he, he a mechanic or something in town? Oh, he really? owns a garage. Oh, okay. Well, I remember he, the first time he showed up on TV, it was awesome. But it, I don't know if it was the timing of the team not doing well. But second appearance was kind of like you know what you've been there and done that right. Hey, okay? it was like okay, doppelganger is good for one time. 
but unless you're on the Stanley Cup run and kind of a good luck charm, but it was uh, pretty fascinating to see. Uh, I think the only thing that's been better behind a bench was the lady sitting in L.A. behind uh, one of the coaches. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was a Dallas? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, according to his Wikipedia page, which we all know is extremely accurate, uh, Paul McLean was named an assistant coach of the Leafs in September of 2020, working under Sheldon Keefe. There's no update oh, since okay. then. Okay. So I don't okay. know if he's still uh, working. I think he was hired to be kind of the power play guy, uh, but I don't know if he's still there or not. But anyway, he's collecting his uh, 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 pension checks now, as of today, turning 65 years old. So wherever you are, Paul McLean, happy birthday to you. All right, 9 o'clock, we'll take a break. Top of the hour news and sports update is on the way. Next hour, we're going to play Sens or Sensibility. We've still got the 100-level seats to see the Sens and the Leafs next Saturday to give away. We've tried twice. Two losers, so another chance comes up next hour. So stand by for that. We'll have another code word for you as well. We'll also have the Beat the Box Office tickets to see KISS. So when you hear... A little snippet of Kiss music. Let's change it up today. No, let's not change it up today. Let's go with 13. Caller 13 will leave the phones on hold when you hear it for a minute so everybody's got an equal chance. Smart speaker, iHeartRadio app speaker listeners as well who are on a bit of a uh, delay. Everybody gets an equal chance. So uh, a little snippet when you hear it. Call us at 750-1200 or star-1200. Free call on Bell. Beat the box office tickets to see Kiss perform in concert. Canadian Tire Centre coming up November the 21st. By the way, tickets go on sale tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. through Ticketmaster for that. All right, top of the hour update is on the way. When we come back, more on a Sens game day. As the Sens will be in Seattle to take on the Kraken tonight for a late-night left coaster. 10 o'clock face-off right here on Sports Radio TSN 1200.